This past Tuesday, our nation celebrated Independence Day, which commemorates the day in which Congress uh, formally accepted the Declaration of Independence. In the Declaration of Independence, we have this very famous statement. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Famous words written in the Declaration of Independence by Thomas Jefferson. But a recent historian had this to say about those words, that all men had been created equal and endowed with an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness were not remotely self-evident truths. That most Americans believed they were owed less to philosophy than to the Bible. To the assurance given equally to Christians and Jews, to Protestants and Catholics, to Calvinists and Quakers, that every human being was created in God's image. The truest and ultimate seedbed of the American Republic no matter what some of those who composed its founding documents might have cared to think, was the book of Genesis. This comes from a book called Dominion, written by a man named Tom Holland, who is not the actor that plays (laughs) Spider-Man. This is a British historian. And I read this book, Dominion, uh, on my study leave. It was one of the books that I read. And I will have to say, it's probably the greatest book of history I've ever read. It was really engaging, super insightful, and just had a very compelling and powerful thesis. I don't believe that Tom Holland was a Christian when he started writing the book, but the best I can tell of sort of the process that he went through is he was trying to sort of get back to sort of what Western civilization was like before Christianity. He's a big fan of the Greco-Roman world and trying to sort of uncover what did people think and do sort of from ancient Greece and Rome. And what he discovered, and there's such a powerful thing in the book, is that all of the things he really likes about Western civilization, all of those came through Christianity. Things like uh, civil rights. The idea of marrying for love, the separation of church and state, scientific inquiry, the idea of reforming institutions. These were not part of the Greco-Roman world. The idea that a woman had a right to to control what happened to her body. This was not at all considered to be self-evident to anybody. This is why he's saying about Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian, but the ideas that we should actually, all people, have rights, equal rights, that didn't come from philosophy. That came from Christianity. And what he discovered, and so in this powerful thesis, he starts with sort of ancient Greece and goes all the way to the Me Too movement and shows that even people who are antagonistic towards Christianity are using gifts that Christianity gave them to investigate or to talk about Christianity. It's a powerful thesis that sort of say, wait a second, this stuff, this isn't what the Greeks believed, it's not what the Romans believed, it's not what was present in society and culture. And even the very negative things, and he does have some pretty negative things in there about the church, even the negative things 
We're all sort of normed or corrected by the essence and truth of Christianity. And so what he discovered is, is the single defining event in Western civilization is the crucifixion of Jesus. And probably the biggest theme that he traces that he says existed nowhere in the Greco-Roman world was this idea. Put that quote up there. The idea that to be a victim might be a source of strength. That's true in Christianity. But what he discovered is that's not true. That's not how the Greeks thought. That's not how the Romans thought. That's not how anybody thought. Turn on their heads the guiding assumptions of the Roman authorities and submission might be defined as triumph, degradation as glory, and death as life. These were unheard of ideas. And what he says is is Christianity's influence on Western civilization is so immense that we don't notice it anymore. And so he asks the question, where did this idea that to be a victim might be a source of strength. Where did that come from? Well, it came from the crucifixion of Jesus. That is where it came from. It also came from the teachings of Jesus, of which there's never been anything like it in the history of humanity. This morning, we're going to look at one of those teachings, this idea that to be a victim might actually be a source of strength. It comes from what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is the most powerful, most influential teaching ever given. It was given to us by Jesus. You can find it in a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the rack in front of you. And if you turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 5, which is page 786 in these Bibles, you'll get to hear and read And this Sermon on the Mount, this thing that so changed Western civilization, this thing that so changed humanity, that God means for it to change you and I today. So we want to look at this teaching and this truth that Jesus introduced to the world. Matthew chapter 5, page 786. Where we are is at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, this powerful sermon that Jesus gave, and it starts with what's known as the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are named that because that's just sort of the Latin for the idea of blessed. And each one of these phrases starts with blessed are the. And we've come to the final one, verses 10 through 12, right at the top of page 786 in Matthew 5. And this is what Jesus says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This idea that you would be blessed for being persecuted, for being insulted, this is unheard of. There is no record of anybody saying something like this in Greece, in Rome, in the ancient cultures. This is the transformative idea. It sounds common to us today, but to hear Jesus say this, this is as radical as it can be. You are blessed if you're insulted. If you're persecuted, 
if people are saying false things about you, there's a blessing. Nobody has ever thought that. Now, before we analyze what Jesus has said here, let me just talk a little bit about its placement in these set of Beatitudes. It's the last one. There's more to the Sermon on the Mount, but the starting with blessed are, the blessed are, the blessed are, this is the last statement. And as you can imagine, anything that you say first has importance, and anything that you say last has importance. So look back just for a moment at the very first Beatitude. So if you turn back in the church Bible, just one page, uh, to Matthew 5, at the beginning it says, the very first thing Jesus says, and according to Matthew, this is kind of Jesus' very first statement publicly teaching. What he says are, is, blessed are the poor in spirit. For why? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What we would say is, is that pride or selfishness, the Bible's word for pride really means more of the idea of selfishness, is the root of all sin. And so the chief virtue is humility or submission to what it is that God wants. And what Jesus says is that when you are humble, when you embrace humility, when you are poor in spirit, you inherit the kingdom of heaven. This is as big a statement as Jesus can make. He's basically saying everything that's good, everything that you might think about God, everything about heaven, everything about eternal life, everything that has to do with that comes to the person who is humble. It is the massive statement. Only one other beatitude gets a result that's as big as that. And it's ours. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for what? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The first beatitude and the last beatitude are tied together. These are the giant statements. Blessed are those who are humble, who are poor in spirit, because everything that goes with God, everything that goes with heaven, everything that goes with life comes to that person. And the fullest expression of humility is being willing to suffer for the sake of Jesus. And so the person who is willing to accept persecution, insults, false accusations for righteousness' sake, that is a person who will inherit all good things. Our beatitude is also the one in which Jesus says the most about. We've got verses 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are you when people assault you. Rejoice and be glad. It's kind of like the grand finale of a fireworks show. All of a sudden, you just get a whole bunch of fireworks going off. This is the grand finale of the beatitudes, and Jesus is finishing with a flourish. He had been saying, you know, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now he's like, blessed are you when you are persecuted. Blessed when you're insulted. Blessed when people say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He is finishing with this giant flourish. That's what we're looking at this morning. What is this massive idea, this massive thing that if you and I do this, we inherit the kingdom of heaven? What is this thing that when Jesus says, look, here's the stuff you got to know in short summary form. What is this final thing that he closes the Beatitudes with? 
Well, let me make four observations about our passage. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. The first, let's make sure we understand what it is Jesus is talking about and what he's not talking about. He says in verse 10, three things that we are blessed when they happen. Number one, blessed are you when people insult you. So, if somebody calls you unenlightened, if somebody calls you homophobic, if somebody calls you uh, prudish because you're trying to stick with what God has to say about sexuality or about marriage or about raising children or because you're refusing to engage in certain activities that they think anybody ought to engage in, if you are insulted for righteousness sake, that's what Jesus is talking about. If people make fun of you for going to church, or for trying to bring Jesus into the middle of a conversation. If you are insulted uh, because you're a virgin and you're not engaging in what the world thinks about how sexuality is supposed to work. If you are insulted for not, re- for not engaging in sort of harsh critical language. If you're willing to forgive others when the society says you shouldn't be doing it. If you choose not to engage in activities and you get insulted for doing that. That's what Jesus is talking about here insulted for righteousness sake second when you are persecuted because of me this last week uh, I was at with some families from Calvary at family camp and so we uh, go every year to family camp if you're interested we'd love to have you join us for that Uh, Mason Sherrill and Andrea Reifer on our staff kind of coordinate that and a group of families go every year. We'd love to have you come and join us and be part of that. I was the speaker this past uh, week uh, for this year at family camp. And we were talking together about the faithfulness of God. And as part of that, we had sort of testimony time. And a man who doesn't go to Calvary stood up to share a testimony. And his testimony was about the fact that really for the past several years, he's had just a horrible, horrific time at work. Uh, because people there know he's a Christian and don't want him to work there because he's a Christian. And so they have set out to make his life miserable. His boss and his co-workers trying to get him out of that place. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Simply because he's a Christian, they don't want him there. And so he just talked about how difficult it was to endure these things. And it turned out, uh, sort of his shared with me later, that lots of people came up to him and said, that's been my experience as well. Maybe that's your experience. Again, we hear what Andre went through. There's, 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 Definite persecution going on in the world. And you might say, well, no one's ever tried to kill me for being a Christian. Praise the Lord for that. But you, if you're experiencing things at work or at school, if people are refusing to invite you to be part of their group or making fun of you at school for being a Christian, even if you're a Christian at a Christian school, if you're a real Christian, you might be suffering as a real Christian at a Christian school. That's what Jesus is talking about. If you're trying to obey him, And you are suffering as a result of that. That's who this is about. Likewise, it says, not only when you insulted or persecute you, or when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Maybe the Spirit has convicted you and laid on your heart that you need to be spending less time sort of with your family and your friends, and you need to spend some more time with people maybe in the community who don't have any family or friends. And so you've started to do that, but in your family or among your friends, they're beginning to spread a rumor that you're only doing that out of selfishness or that because you've got some sort of Messiah complex or you're too good for everybody else. If they're falsely saying that against you, that's what this is talking about. 
Maybe your ex-husband has been saying things to your children to try to win them to his side. And those things aren't true. And you're trying to obey God and you're like, I'm not getting down into the mud and I'm not getting involved in this fight. And Jesus said, don't insult, don't repay insults with insults and so I'm not gonna do that. If that's you, that's what this is talking about. Now, if people are calling you homophobic because you're angry and you're mean and you're judgmental and you're just involved in culture wars, that's not this. <laughs> if you're suffering and people are treating you poorly because you're not a kind person, that's not this either. If you're engaged in money-hungry sort of greedy activities and people don't want to hang out with you because you're always, that's not this either. We want to be very clear what Jesus is talking about and what he's not talking about. He's not talking about suffering for things that we are doing wrong. Suffering for ways in which we are not like Jesus. Remember, this beatitude comes at the end of all the other beatitudes. And the assumption is, is that you and I are pursuing being peacemakers. You and I are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. You and I are poor in spirit. Not that we're aggravatedly involved in culture wars or being angry or judgmental or dismissive or uncaring. The idea here is if you are doing these things for Jesus' sake in the same way Jesus did them, with gentleness and kindness and love, not repaying insult with insult, if you're still experiencing people making fun of you or giving you a hard time or excluding you or saying false things about you, that's what this is about. And please don't miss the fact that you might not be doing it on a global massive scale, but if you're following Jesus, these things will happen. And if they're happening to you, please hear these as Jesus' words to you this morning. That's the first thing, who's this about? Secondly, before we get into the fact that there is blessing associated with it, I just need to say that as you now are thinking in ways in which you're like, well, okay, yeah, maybe my ex-husband is saying false things about me. Maybe I am experiencing some difficulty in my extended family. Maybe people have been making fun of me at school for some of these kinds of things. Maybe this does apply to me. Let me say to you before we get into the blessing part, this second thing, which is, if you are persecuted or insulted or people are saying false things against you for Jesus' sake, don't be afraid. You're safe and secure right where God wants you to be. One of the problems is, is when you start to experience negativity or hate or persecution or false accusations, it engenders fear. Am I going to lose my job? These people don't want me here. Am I going to have no friends when I go to school? Is this going to be a difficult situation? Is my family never going to accept me? Are my kids going to believe what's being said to them by somebody else? Are these things going to happen? Am I in the wrong spot? Am I doing something wrong? And what this does is it creates fear. And I just want to say before we get to the blessing part, don't be afraid. The book of Isaiah could not be any more clear. No weapon formed against you will prosper. No trap that is set for you will succeed. There is no lie that will ultimately take hold. It might in the short term. Balaam, a guy named Balaam in the Old Testament, was paid money to curse Israel. And God wouldn't let him do it. What came out of his mouth was not cursing, but blessing. 
What Satan meant for evil in the story of Joseph and in all our lives, God turned around and used for good. So before we get to the fact that you're blessed when these things happen, I just want you to know that you're safe. You could not be any safer. We often say, you know, the safest place to be is the center of God's will. That's a true statement. That statement does not mean being in the center of God's will means everything goes fine. It absolutely does not mean that. But you might ask, well, how do I know if I'm in the center of God's will? I just kind of ended up where I ended up by making some decisions. Listen to me. If you are where you are and you are doing what you're doing for Jesus and you are experiencing insults or persecution or people are saying false things against you, you are exactly where God wants you to be. That's why Jesus says if this is happening you can have confident that you're where you're supposed to. That's where the prophets were. This is where everybody who serves God ends up. Amen. And then at some point, maybe not all the time, if you're not experiencing any insults or any persecution or anybody saying false things against you, you may not be doing everything God asks you to do. But if you are, if there is trouble for following Jesus, if you're trying to obey, if you're trying to be a peacemaker and it's not going super well, if you're trying to hunger and thirst for righteousness and people are picking on you for doing that, you are absolutely where you're supposed to be. And you're completely and totally safe. Not without pain, not without trouble, but you're safe. That's the second thing I want you to know. Third, Jesus says, you're blessed. Again, this is the thinking that turned the world on its head, the idea that a victim was somehow blessed. Nobody ever thought that. And even today, again, as this historian showed from sort of the Me Too movement and all these things, you would have never gotten away with that stuff in ancient Greece and Rome. People are like, well, we can do whatever. The strong win. Jesus came along and said, no, you're blessed. If you're persecuted, you're blessed if you're insulted. You're blessed if people are saying false things against you. Blessed, meaning good. Listen to what Psalm 92 says. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know. Fools do not understand. That though the wicked spring up like grass... And all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You see, it appears as if those who are doing the persecuting, those who are doing the false accusations, those who are doing the insulting, it appears as if they are flourishing. The psalmist thought the same thing. But when he considered it, at the end, when he looked back, they're not the ones who flourished. It's the persecuted who flourish. 
It's not the insulters who flourish, it's those who are insulted that flourish. It's not those who promote lies that flourish, it's those who are lied about for Jesus' sake that flourish. And this is the promise to each one of us. Is that yes, there may be an ex-friend in your circle of friends who is now spreading false rumors about you because you're trying to live your life for Jesus. The promise is they will not flourish, but you will. God is pure. There is no evil in him. He is good. He cannot allow that stuff to stand. Wickedness will not triumph. And Psalm 92 is what Jesus is talking about, is when you are the victim of persecution, when you are the victim of insults, when you are the victim of false accusations, for righteousness' sake, you will flourish. Even into your old age. Those who are saying those things, those who are doing those things, they will fade. But you will continue to bear fruit even into old age. And that's just what happens in this life. In Matthew, Jesus says, oh, and by the way, you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. If that's our reward now, can you imagine what it will be like when the kingdom comes to earth? Jesus says, rejoice, verse 12, and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Now, this is the first time in the Bible that heavenly rewards are talked about. They're talked about a lot in the Sermon on the Mount. They're talked about a lot in the New Testament. In fact, look over Matthew 6, still in this sermon. Jesus talks about the all-important thing of giving to the needy. Chapter 6, look what he says in verse 4. Your giving should be done in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 8, talking about prayer. Sorry, verse 6, talking about prayer. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 18, talking about fasting. Don't let it be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Giving to the needy, we're rewarded. Prayer, we're rewarded. Fasting, we're rewarded. Eternally. But what does Jesus say about ours? Back to verse 12. Rejoice and be glad because what? Great is your reward. As important as giving to the needy is, as important as prayer is, as important as fasting is, those are simply rewarded. But when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, when you are insulted, when people say false things against you, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. If Psalm 92 is true in this life, that you will flourish, that at the end when you look back you will say, man, it was a blessing to have been insulted and persecuted and lied about. How much more when Jesus and his kingdom come to earth and your great reward shows up? This is the third thing to know about this. Jesus has promised immeasurable blessings for those who experience such things. And then fourth and finally, one of the great rewards for those who suffer such things is getting to see some of the people 
who did this to you come to faith in Jesus. I told you the story about the guy from family camp. The reason he was standing up and sharing the testimony, and he sort of shared later, was that his boss, who had been trying to get him fired and kicked out of the company, because this guy's Christian testimony, the boss actually came to faith. And some of those other people who had been just so brutally mean to him as a Christian saw that he didn't respond and he didn't lash out and that drew them back to church and back to faith. What a blessing. This is what happened with the Apostle Paul, right? He used to persecute the church. Can you imagine Stephen, who's the sort of first martyr in Christian history? Can you imagine his reward that because of the persecution he experienced at Paul's hands, God used that to help lead Paul to faith? Can you imagine the blessing of being Stephen to see how that persecution got redeemed in the life of Paul and all those people that came to faith? This is actually what I think happened with this Tom Holland, the author of this book, Dominion. I think, I tried the best to figure out exactly kind of the background to the book. I think what he set out to do was to try to remove what he thought at that time was the harmful influence of Christianity and to try to get back to sort of a Greco-Roman culture that Christianity had perverted. He set out in some ways, I think, to say perhaps false things about it. And what he discovered was the epic thing, that the the world-changing event is the crucifixion of Jesus. And all the stuff that he liked about scholarship and about separation of church and state and about caring for the weak and about the idea that everybody has rights and about the fact that you can't just have, you can't just force yourself sexually on whoever you feel, that all of that came to us because of Jesus. And I think God used all of that to lead him to faith. And then finally, who is the one person in history who was most wrongly insulted, most persecuted, and had the most false things said about him in history? Jesus. And what do you think his very great reward is? You. Us. That the very people who insulted him, the very people who crucified him, the very people who persecuted him, that many of us have come to realize the error of doing such a thing. And we have chosen to accept him as Lord. This is his great reward. And when we show up in heaven, Jesus will say, totally worth it. Absolutely, totally worth it. And so one of the blessings of being insulted, being persecuted, having people lie about you, is that God can use those things to change their hearts. And that is a pretty great reward too.